everyone, and thanks for listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Let's meet our guest today. Good morning. Hi, I'm Jessica Howard. I'm the president of Chemeketa Community College. There you go. Good to have you. Yeah. So we're excited to have Jessica with us today. Um, As always, we like to just dive back into childhood or whatever. And so like, where were you born? What did uh, elementary school look like to you? Yeah. Sure. Um, Well, so this is probably not too typical, but I was born in Bombay, India. Okay. And uh, then when I was one, my family moved to Bangkok, Thailand. And that's where we were until I was almost seven. Then we Uh came to the States. Um, My dad, who was working for Exxon at the time, decided he wanted to um, change careers. He was an engineer with Exxon, and he decided he wanted to be a doctor. So we came, I know, right? So he came, we came to Texas and uh, lived in Houston a couple of years. And then um, he went into medical school as a 40-year-old, and he did that in San Antonio. So I basically, from fourth grade on, I was in San Antonio, Texas. There you go. And graduated high school there and then went to Rice University in yeah, Houston, back to Houston, um, <clears throat> where um, I got um, two bachelor's degrees and a master's degree. Also went to England and did a year there with King's College. And I actually did some singing there with the King's College uh-huh. singers, awesome. which was pretty fun. Uh, actually amazing. And then... Um, Ultimately, ended up going to New York University, where I got my PhD. Wow. And then went back to San Antonio. A little or, bit of one school. One or two degrees is yeah. not enough. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, like, if we're thinking of you in some of your your uh, elementary and middle school years, uh, what were things you were into then? I mean, maybe music had already kind of been something? or Yeah, music was really um, my primary interest. Um, I was put into piano lessons when we came to the States. So at about age seven. Voluntold? Absolutely voluntold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My mother said, uh, you will take lessons for at least seven years because that's what Whoa. I was required to do. And I said, awesome. I want to pass down that opportunity to you. <laughs> like, is this good or what? Um, but I did really enjoy it and did that. And then um, in sixth grade, I was given the choice to join band or choir or something else. And so this is kind of a funny story because my my mother accompanied me to the um, to the sort of the well, it was kind of like the moment where they ask you what you want to which instrument you'd like to choose in sixth grade. And band in Texas is huge because football is so huge. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have the marching band. And I mean, so there is a lot of support and a lot of re- there are a lot of resources around band. So um, so she asked the choir, the, sorry, the band director, um, what the most difficult instruments were to play. <laughs> and he said, well, you can avoid them, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, you don't know my mom. Um, but he said oboe and French horn. And she said, OK, well, is either one of those available to rent? And he said French horn. So that's how I started on the French horn. Wow. I played uh, French horn in middle school. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. It is a pretty instrument. It is an awesome instrument. And yeah, both of those are, you know, characterized by that, their unique sound. Mm -hmm. So, which is one reason why they're difficult to play, but for different reasons. Anyway, so I was in band and just loved it. and, And in high school, you know, did the whole, you know, Area, region, district, on and on, all state and all Mm -hmm. those things. Went to band camps in the summer and other places in the U.S. And then went, that was my um, scholarship instrument. Um, Got accepted to 
Eastman, but decided I wanted to go to Rice instead. So um, stayed in the south. A little scared about the weather up there. Yeah, <laughs> and cold. so it's cold. And uh, and so so that's what happened. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, did you do choir in high school at all or just band stuff? I never okay. did choir oh, okay. at all until, until, you, until I went to college. Yeah. And okay. then um, when I decided I did not want to be a French horn performance major and I switched to music theory, I still had to be in an ensemble. Mm-hmm. And I was doing piano the entire time. Um, and they said, well, if you're going to do piano, then that your large ensemble is choir. And I said, okay. So I did choir, and that was incredibly fun, too. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, you already got the lungs for it, right? If you've been doing Absolutely. this other issue yeah, several times. Exactly, right. yeah. It's a so, lot of music, a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's great. So, like, uh, looking back at, you know, during your childhood, you know, you're in a couple of countries, what's maybe something that most of our listeners wouldn't know about Bangkok or, you know, what was something you really enjoyed about that area? Well, you know, what I remember um, is, and you know, for me, it's it's not unusual at all because no, it was my just, life, yes. right? But, um, you know, we, we lived with all of the folks who um, were our servants, actually. We had servants. All of the um, <clears throat> American families who were there, yep. we, we paid the servants and they lived with us. So my best friends were um, children of the servants. So yeah. just a, a very rich um, experience. Uh, one I think is just extremely odd when I look back on it, but it was uh, it, it was a very uh, kind of insular community yep. in time. I went to the American school when I went to school. Um, but you know, I spoke I spoke fluent Thai, and I was really a part of that culture in a pretty authentic way. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I spent a few years as a kid in elementary school in São Paulo, Brazil, and so uh, down there, all the American families had servants and mm-hmm. you know that type of stuff. Although I still had to do all the chores. I, didn't I know, quite right? Figure that out. Come on, mom and dad. <laughs> no, yeah, but uh, but yeah, a, a rich experience. I spoke, uh, spoke you know fluent Portuguese then, no and, but I moved from there to Anchorage, Alaska. Not a lot of use for Portuguese Not in Anchorage, much, Alaska, yeah. and so that's one regret. I didn't keep up on it, yeah. you know, because of course at least it's I close enough either. to Spanish that you know it would have been a useful tool exactly. for me today. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, so uh, so now uh, how like occupationally do you get to the president of Schmeckede Community College? It's a it's a long and winding road. <laughs> Isn't that a song? Yeah, I think somebody I should think write it. Is. it. No. Um, well, you know, uh, I got my um, I, I got my bachelor's degree in music theory. I also got a bachelor's degree in English, and I um, also got a master's degree in music theory. And then I had a choice to make. You know, um, there's not a lot you can do with that degree besides teach. Um, and so I I took a year off. I was a paralegal. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And uh, I'd also been very active in theater, believe it or not, but not in terms of a degree. But I was, you know, I was directing and producing and acting in shows and things like that. So I thought, well, maybe maybe the through line here is performance. And so I started looking at different degrees that um, in, that had something to do with performance that I could build upon the music background. Um, and I came upon performance studies, which is actually a humanities degree. It's like American studies or cultural mm. studies, interdisciplinary. Oh. Um, and that's the program that I ended up going to uh, in at New York University in New York City. But the way it works, I try to explain it to people, and I promise I'll make this short. But um, it basically looks at how we produce meaning through the paradigm of performance. So when you think of performance, often you think about things that happen on a stage. 
you know, with right. the proscenium, proscenium arch. But this program, that's just one sort of part of the spectrum. That's one edge of the spectrum. All in the other, if you c- kind of go all the way the other way, you can talk about the performance of gender. You can talk about the uh, tourist performances, what people do and how they act um, mm. with the tourist audience. It's very, very different. Uh, the performance, like juries and lawyers and, you, I mean, yeah. you, some there are some areas where you can think about that and, and it's a little less forced, but it's really about using the paradigm of performance to understand how we produce meaning. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever see yourself, as you went through multiple degrees, you went to school for a while, did you ever see yourself where you are now? Did you ever picture that? Heavens no. No. <laughs> no. no, but, you know, I always knew I, want, I wanted to be a professor. I wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be a wonderful life, particularly if I wanted to have children. Um, you know, and you kind of think about the calendar yeah. and the summer's off, ha-ha, exactly. as if I've ever had a summer <laughs> off. But um, And so I ended up teaching, and I taught music. I taught music appreciation, taught music theory. I taught humanities survey courses because that PhD is in humanities. Yeah. And I ended up teaching at um, the local community college in San Antonio, which is San Antonio College. Never, ever, ever been to a community college before. And as soon as I did that, I no longer taught at the university that I was also teaching at because my heart was with the community mm. college mm. and with um, the amount of good that is needed to happen in that environment to help students you know, yeah. make a critical difference in their lives. Right. Yeah. So there's yeah. that spark that, that connects where we're at now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. How about like uh, now, um, what are compared to, so you're currently as the in the role you're in, before you got to this, what's one of the bigger surprises maybe compared to maybe what you might have thought about it as you were seeking to get this job and that type of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a teacher for life. And, and that's what I had trained for. And uh, that's exactly what I was doing. And the thing that surprised me was that um, I was asked to be an administrator. And that, and I did those things, I was a department chair. Mm. And it's, that was the career path, right. not teaching. So, you know, most people don't think administration is just the most spectacular of <laughs> careers. Um, and um, it, it, it's got a very specific kind of skill set and growth, which I hope we can talk about. Absolutely. But um, that that was the surprise. I had no idea that would be something I would pursue or that I would be at all good at. Yeah, just kind of start on a breadcrumb a right. little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they both have... Uh, tremendous value, right? Direct impact on student. Mm-hmm. And then at, at what you're doing now has a direct impact on a, a lot of things. And so maybe talk about that a little bit. I mean, what's life like as the president of Shemekada? Well, you know, it's a, actually, um, there have been studies that have shown that of all the jobs, you know, that typical jobs that exist, at least in the United States, that um, the president of a college or university is the most stressful. <laughs> Which so, lines up with what instrument do you think my daughter should play? Yeah. <laughs> French one. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So I, it is a. It's I. I love the opportunity to serve the community in a in a million different ways through this position, and um, it's very very complicated uh, role, and um, I don't know. It's it's almost impossible to describe because it's very external and it's very internal. Um, it has a lot to do with um, articulating the value 
of higher education and education in general. It has a lot to do with talking about the communities we're privileged to serve. Uh, It has a lot to do with interacting with the community so that you're not all alone on the hill trying to do something in a classroom that seems very contained because it's not just the mind that walks in the classroom, it's the whole person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And understanding where we are in in the ecosystem because if a student is hungry in class, you can't expect them to do um, higher level work. Right. And so you know, it becomes where really you think you're in the learning business, you're really in the people business. Mm. And yeah. uh, it's an astonishingly rewarding and uh, complicated, sometimes very challenging space. But just I wouldn't do anything else. Yeah, I think that. Uh, in the last however many years, five to ten, I think we've, as a culture, have put so much more responsibility on educators, uh, maybe our public safety folks like police. You know, there's you're kind of a disciplinarian, you're a counselor, you're a psychologist, you're a you know, you're a warden. You know, just mm-hmm. kind of all those things. And so, I mean, there's uh, there's other wonderful professions. I'm just singling out those two that come to my mind that we've put a lot of resp- extra responsibilities on. And mm-hmm. like you, and you talk about, well, you never thought about the fact that you got to figure out maybe a way to partner to come up with food for the student because mm-hmm. they need that, right? And Without you a doubt. have to think about that before. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I know uh, I know a little bit about some of the advancements at Schmeckler. Maybe we could touch on a couple of the recent legislative things as far as, you know, the sure. yeah, the bachelor's opportunities or whatever. Yeah, that's a huge um, opportunity for us. Uh, Schmeckler was uh, very fortunate to be able to be the first out of the gate to serve our community. So we have a, an applied bachelor's degree. Community colleges in the state are now empowered to offer those along with something like 25 other states. Um, and it's it's designed to meet a workforce need that is not already being met. So this is not an opportunity to simply compete with partners who are doing excellent work like Western or Oregon State mm-hmm. or OIT or whatnot. It's really finding the places where people need something different. Um, and so our applied baccalaureate was the result of a lot of conversations with industry and with our alumni, our students who already came through our programs. What ter- It turns out that uh, students who have what we call Associate of Applied Science degrees, those are degrees in career and technical education, which normally you people view those as a that the two-year degree is the terminal degree, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're ready to go out in the workforce. Right. And it's true. You are. You're ready to go out in the workforce. And what's happening is that uh, employers have these folks working for them, and they want to invest in these individuals. They want to keep them. This is a tight labor market. And they also want to grow their own talent, and they want a succession plan, right, for themselves. But they need someone who has a bachelor's degree or... And they need someone who can manage because that typically is is what it means to ascend a career ladder as you get into management, right, and leadership. So this is a degree in leadership and management, and it's designed for the working adult who doesn't stop working because, again, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. (laughs) So it's all online with the exception of one night on campus. Everything they do is related to the job they're in. And this is for this stacks on top of any Associate of Applied Science degree we have or that anyone would have from a community college. So it is absolutely incredible. And we had our first cohort start this fall, and I was there when they all they all had to sort of show up to sign papers and whatever they had to do, right, right. To get all set up. And I, I teared up because I took yeah. one look at these folks, and I thought, you know, these are working folks. This is their only chance to do this yeah. in a way that works for their families. And, yeah. oh, my gosh, 
the opportunity they're going to be able to provide to the community and for themselves sure, as a both, result. Incredible. Both in longevity in that position Absolutely. or with that company and ability to increase their, exactly. their income and you know influence. Well, yeah. And Western was a great partner with us on this. And if you go through this program, up to one term's worth of coursework counts towards the master's in organizational leadership at Western. Uh-huh. So this is what an education ecosystem system should look like. It's incredibly exciting. Well, and I thought when I heard the presentation, it was months ago, far before the cohort started about what the what the program was. The coolest thing that I that I took away from it is that it is like you said, it's applied directly to their job. So like like a thesis paper mm-hmm. or like a PhD, it's, you know, you're studying for one thing for your specific that's interest, right. and so it's different for each person. Right. They're all working on different things, different jobs, but yeah. it's the same class, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, if you're working in uh, digital design or you're working for Intel with a, mm-hmm. an AAS degree, everything you're doing is relating back to your workplace. So not only is your work product related to your experience in the workplace, but it's something you can share with your employer because it's about the sector, it's about the environment, it's about mm-hmm. the trends. It really is kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. That is cool. So uh, we have a broad listener base. Some are running organizations. Some are working at that. Maybe if you could think to speak to the employer, the CEO, the the leader about uh, as maybe this is pinging in in their head. They are identifying a couple people on their staff. Maybe that mm-hmm. they could do. What what are some of the specific things they could do to reach out to you guys to foster that conversation maybe you mean like around that that bas yeah and leadership exactly and management? yeah uh, i would say you know just do a quick google search you will find the page on our website and then there's contact information there a lot of we've actually gotten um a lot of interest by business owners and leaders in the community to come in and be guest speakers for mm. this uh cohort um so we're always looking for that and again we're just shaping this program this is sure. our first first term right and it's a it's a two-year degree So this will grow with the community. So I would say if you have any interest at all, reach out. Um, Also, a lot of the students in this initial cohort, and by the way, we were hoping for 15. We got 38 or something like that. We we got as many in as we possibly could. A couple of the folks actually work at Chemeketa. Wow. That sounds cool. and And I saw them, I thought, I didn't know that that person. And then I realized, oh, that's a student in this context, right? Um, but in many, for many of these individuals, it is the employer who's paying for it. So sure. the because they're they're investing in their employee, and the employee, of course, is going to be more invested in that company mm-hmm. as a result because the company is investing in them. And just like any other, um, you know, sort of general scenario. Um, our degrees are going to cost less right. than um, than those than, than those from the universities degree. because right. you know they they have a different mission and they have different costs. Uh, so, it, but it also if a student comes into this program, they call you know we have federal financial aid is all available and all those things. But I think that there's a real role for employers here. This mm. idea that and this is part of I think a future we're heading into that a rapidly rapidly changing world. I mean we all know it, but I think it's changing even faster than yeah. we we can comprehend. And we're moving from an industrial era kind of manufacturing type economy into a knowledge-based economy. A knowledge-based economy needs more knowledge. We need, we're going to need more people to get post-secondary education, and they're going to need more of it. 
And it will be changing because of the digital revolution, because right. of AI, yeah. because of automation, because, because, because. And we have all these baby boomers who are retiring, so we already don't have enough people to fill our workforce. So this is this is an opportunity for a community like ours that is so focused on our youth, on the you know what what it means to grow a community, right. right, and make sure it's strong. Um, we need to work together to navigate into this different future, and the community college will be a huge, huge asset. And so I think it's it's really about um, making the connections to ensure that, for instance, what Valor Mentoring is doing right. isn't completely disconnected from what Chemeketa is doing, isn't completely connected from what I'll pick something, you sure. know, Catholic Charities Jesus, is doing. Yeah. You know, so I, I just think... We're already in a good situation because we're not so big that we don't know each other. Mm. Right. And how do we work together so that we navigate a world that is, like I say, changing? And you know who's going to experience the change the fastest are employers. Mm. Because if they don't adapt, then they're not going to be viable. Yeah. So we have to be as close to those employers as possible so we can ensure that the workforce or the continual tweaking of training, which will be the probably the feature of almost every job because right. of the technology change. Right. And simple. Uh, we need to be right there so that we can be the engine and the partner and the affordable option right. to get our community where it needs to be. Yeah. Wow. That's good. That's good. Um, as you've gone through the different roles and, and so on in, in your life, uh, you know, what are one or two principles that are processes disciplines, whatever you might call that, that you, amongst many, but maybe you pull out one or two that you feel like you've applied to your life and, and are worth sharing. Yeah. Sure. You know, I think if you, if you Google leadership, you'll get a really long list of examples of what that could look like. Good leadership, strong leadership. And it takes many, many forms. You don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be an introvert. I mean, look at our president's. Yeah. Right, our country's presidents—they couldn't be more different. Right. Um, the effect—I mean, the really, really effective ones could not be more different. And so, for me, leadership is one of those topics where um, it's really about um, self-growth. Um, I view leadership not as an authoritarian thing. I think that's a very old-fashioned notion. Right. I think it's certainly in my world, it's about servant leadership mm -hmm. and steward leadership. It's about um, Connecting with others, it's about um, ensuring everyone has value. Uh, there's nothing probably more um, toxic than feeling like you're less than or that you don't belong. That's the kind of thing where a little impression can last a really long time. And uh, there are lots of people who have had that feeling right. for various reasons. Um, they don't have money or they are in some other situation where they've been made to feel that way. Um, in the community college where we, um, where our mission is to uplift everyone, right? Selectivity for us equates to exclusion, and that's anathema to our mission. You know, we're proud to say we accept the top hundred percent of all of our <laughs> all of our applicants, yeah. right? And this is this is the American way, right? There's a whole right. kind of connection to our yeah. our democracy that I is very close for me when I talk about the community college. But I think um, you know leadership certainly within our sector, but I think. Um, everywhere has a lot to do with how people feel, how they feel. Do they feel valued? Do they get to participate and get invested in what's happening? 
or is someone simply telling them? Because if, if, if you're not invested in it, you're just waiting for someone to tell you what to do next. And frankly, you're checking in and you're checking out and you're looking for other jobs that might pay more because that's the only value that you see in that interaction. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think it's about how people feel. I think also helping people in the organization connect to the why of the organization. What's the mission? What are the values? What does it mean to live those values in the workplace and then at home? Uh, what does it mean to engage in that kind of conversation, right? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a good citizen? Civic engagement, civic participation. The worst thing in my mind is to not participate and then to criticize, you know? Yeah. Vote, 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 yes. vote. Yes. You know, I mean, this is a privilege that we have, you know? So it's it's trying to be, to to really help people reach and even exceed the potential that they think they have. So they can have better lives. And that lifts all boats. And I think it is linked to the leadership because no matter who you are or where you are, if you're in the leadership position, you're modeling the values. People are watching. Every little thing you do means something because you're representing the institution or the business. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We. We're getting short on time, but uh, we'll definitely have to have a round two with Jessica. I think uh, I, I think uh, to our listeners, you obviously sense a, a level of passion and 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 deep understanding uh, of what a role should look like. And I think that's some of the best things we can do as individuals is first know ourselves as deeply as we can, which helps us to make better decisions that are right for us, right? So, yeah, exactly. And yeah. whether you learned that you can get a degree in, in leadership from them or whether you learned that you need to pick up um, a different instrument from your band from when you were in, when you were young, it'd That's be good, right. to, good to apply that knowledge. Paul well, at Uptown Music, I'm sure, would be glad to rent you a fence horn. There yeah, you there go. You go. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for being here. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Um, you can hear us live on KSLM every Saturday at 11 a.m. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring.